welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intelligence, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Ball. Thanks for being with us on one of the radio stations around the country, or maybe you're watching on YouTube or the show website, CREshow.com. Thanks for being with us. Well, we have an interesting show for you today. We're going to talk about healthcare and healthcare real estate. You know, there's uh, talk in the commercial real estate industry that all us baby boomers are getting older. I don't think we really are, <laughs> but I guess we are. Uh, there's going to be more need for healthcare, and healthcare real estate has certainly been an evolving market and a strong market. Well, today we're going to talk to a developer who's also a builder. We're going to talk to uh, an investment firm that invests in healthcare facilities all over the country, and we're going to talk to an investment broker who sells. Um, healthcare and medical office buildings around the country, and let's get started. My first guest is Paul Zeman. Paul is president of Healthcare Real Estate Services with Bull Realty. He's here in Studio One with us. Paul, thanks for being with us. Good morning. Always glad to be here. And Paul, just how uh, strong is the healthcare uh, office market right now as far as occupancy goes uh, are, are these buildings staying full you know overall I'd say that it's it's one of the strongest sectors in commercial real estate and I have been watching uh, vacancy decline uh, over the last 10 years that I've been in the business uh, to about ten and a half percent right now which is which is uh, pretty stable yeah and so if you look over the entire country that's pretty stable and it's gonna and it change from market to market right so what about uh, rental rates uh, it seems like the rental rates in healthcare might be a little more stable uh, than some other markets uh, maybe not as quick to increase but what do you really see well well they are in and to your point that uh, I'm talking about averages on a national basis, it is going to vary from market to market, but we're seeing something in the in the $22 triple net range, actually uh, $22.50 or so triple net uh, as, a, as an average across the country. And how has that been uh, trending if you look back the last few years? Uh, are those uh, rates uh, increasing steadily? or they, They've probably flattened out, I would say, since the beginning of 2014. They've been pretty consistent there, but they saw a significant rise over what we saw uh, in the end of 2012 and 13. Okay. And what about the uh, popularity of these uh, medical office buildings with in investors? Uh, you know, it seems like uh, medical building is a little more complicated than a regular office building. Is it still a popular asset class? It, it, it's, it's very popular and it's getting more popular. I mean, mm -hmm. it pales in comparison to the size of maybe the office market or even retail. Uh, but the number, the, the pools of investors have been growing and growing. Uh, for, for quite some time now. It's not just the institutional players, it's not just the healthcare REITs, as, as good and as strong as they are, but we are seeing private equity, high net worth individuals, private family trusts, foreign capital, we're seeing more and more people uh, entering the sector. And what's that doing to the volume of uh, sales in the U.S.? You know, uh, last year sales were, were record, about $10 billion for the for the year. Uh, we're about, as far as the first quarter of 2016 goes, we're about only about 50% to where we were this time last year, um, but we're right on pace with what we saw in 2013 and 2014. Uh, I will mention though, you know, we say we're $2 billion behind where we were last year at this time, but I'm aware of a $700 plus million transaction that's getting ready to close and uh, have some knowledge on a, on a billion dollar portfolio that uh, I expect to be coming to the market soon. 
uh, and that, that might put us right back to where we were. Yeah, yeah, well, that sounds interesting. Well, what's that doing to cap rates? Uh, what do you see there for trends in the uh, healthcare? You know, the, the cap rates, you know, over the period of time have, have compressed significantly, uh, and, and they're remaining pretty stable there. Uh, first quarter of 2016, we saw 7.1%, and say the trailing 12 months, um, 6.7%. Uh, and, and I'll comment on that, that those are for the medical buildings that I track, which are all $5 million and greater. I'm not tracking the smaller stuff. So the first quarter, the cap rate's a little higher. Is that indicative of the marketplace, or is that just because of the particular properties that sold were maybe with less quality? I, I think it has to do with the types of properties that were sold. Right. So give us some sample cap rates that uh, you see, Paul, for, for some of these uh, assets. You know, um, on a typical, you know, off-campus, but maybe some hospital sponsorship, well-written leases, triple net, annual escalations, property management fees covered by tenants, things along the lines that really, really drive some interest, uh, definitely in the low sevens. Uh, when you get to a, a hospital setting on campus where we used to see a, a very big spread between on-campus and off-campus, that spread has narrowed significantly except for the really the trophy assets, the attached to the hospital, sponsored by the hospital long term, and those are, are bringing ridiculous cap rates. Right, so more and more, I guess, healthcare providers are going out to the suburbs, right? And they're, they're uh, leasing big chunks of space in these MOBs. They are, and not just, the, not just the individual providers, but the healthcare systems are also, because it is easier to travel to a, an MOB out in the burbs than it is to you know, come down to the city and fight the traffic in the parking. Right. So what do you expect? I think you're one of the, the few brokers and analysts out there that will predict cap rates uh, moving forward. So what do you think will happen in the rest of this year and next year for medical office building cap rates? You know, there, there's, there's two big factors that are coming to play here. The first is, is how fast the investors are raising capital, and they are raising capital faster than they can deploy it right now. So naturally, that would tend to compress cap rates maybe a little bit more, uh, but the other uh, item is uh, what is the Fed going to do to interest rates? Because there's no question that as interest rates rise, uh, so will investors' cost of capital and the return that they promised their investors, and that would push the cap rates up. So I think we're going to be stable for the short term, but I don't think there's any question that they are going to start to rise with interest rates. And what are your buyers telling you today related to expected uh, increases in interest rates, are they suggesting to you that uh, hey, let's let's get going, let's buy some properties? Uh, yes, yes. The, the the overwhelming consensus is that we want to close now, yeah. and and not delay. And uh, they put a lot of pressure on me to find them quality products on a regular basis. Um, and let's let's do it. Let's do it quickly. And what's that mean for sellers right now? If these buyers are thinking uh, their cost of funds is going to rise and it's going to impact cap rates negatively for sellers, what what are sellers doing? It's 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 the time to sell. Yeah. Even even the folks uh, that I met three and four and five years ago that have had these, you know, hey Paul, we have a long term hold strategy. We're going to hold this for twenty years. Um, those are the folks that are considering selling <laughs> right now, and a lot of them are. 
Well, there's only one thing constant in this world. That's change, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, when you see these low interest rates and this kind of demand from, like you said, really all over the world, uh, it might be considered to take some chips off the table. It might be time for that, right? No doubt. So um, what are some... Uh, Tell me about the kind of the quiet nature. I know a lot of the buildings that you sell, some of the sellers want to keep it a little quieter uh, than a typical office building sell. What are some of the reasons they like to do that? You know, I, I think it's so that they don't necessarily disrupt the tenants. And, and, and look, we're, we're professionals and we understand how uh, properties trade and there, and it shouldn't be any disruption to the tenants. The tenants wouldn't necessarily even know about it. Uh, but it's it, sometimes they like to kind of keep it on the down low. Uh, as not to get the tenants wound up or uh, or overly excited. Yeah. It's, just, it's just business. Right. But, but some of them do like to keep it quiet also. Maybe the relationship that they had with the health system or with the tenants, and they don't necessarily want to want to jeopardize that, especially if they're maybe trying to do future projects with that particular tenant or health system. Right, right. Yeah, and that's interesting because, you know, I think uh, I've seen you sell in some medical office buildings where sellers are asking you to go to the top three buyers and, and get a bid, and someone wants you to go to what, the top 10 or top 100? Yeah, it's, or... it's not uncommon. And, yeah. you know, I have the flexibility to be able to, to design a marketing plan custom for each seller in the type of uh, type of situation that they're in. But yeah, sometimes they say, hey, bring me your top buyer, bring me your top three, your top mm -hmm. 10. And there are some that say, let's go to the market in a big fashion. Let's schedule property tours on these dates. Let's have a call for offers date. Let's gather multiple competing offers yeah. and we'll pick the best one. I like that way. A quick tip for our viewers and listeners, if they own a medical office building uh, and they're considering selling it. You know, I, I would just comment on that, that even the best properties don't bring top dollar unless they're properly presented to the market. And um, uh, depending upon a particular seller situation, we can custom tailor something along those lines. Okay. And I guess the other tip is to consider it now, right? Like you said earlier. Uh, now is a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess you could tell them that what uh, number the property would bring and they could consider if they want to do it or not, right? I can get very, very yep. close to where I think the property would trade well, for. Well, that's interesting. So you've seen a lot of sellers that sold uh, in the last top of the market and looked like heroes and some that kept their properties too long. Uh, it looked like they made some mistakes. Paul, thanks for joining us. And Paul's going to join us for the next segment, and we're going to have a panel on healthcare and healthcare real estate. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by CCIM Institute, Commercial Real Estate's global standard for professional achievement. Visit ccim.com slash CRE show. That's ccim.com slash CRE show. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking healthcare and healthcare real estate. Please welcome my guest. We have Paul Zeman. He's president of Healthcare Real Estate Services with Bull Realty. Paul, thanks for joining us. Good morning. Uh, we also have Brian Howard. He's founder and president of Stage Equity Partners, and he's joining us on Skype. Brian, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Michael. Good morning. 
Good morning. We also have Matt Steinmetz. He's VP of Healthcare with Skanska, and he's here in Studio One with us. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Good morning, Michael. And uh, gentlemen, I'd like to ask you about the the expected demand moving forward. There seems to be there seems to be a little bit of question marks on the demand for healthcare space. Uh, you think about you know, if, let's say that uh, Trump gets elected, he's going to abolish Obamacare. Is what he's saying, right? So, what are you guys hearing about from from your your clients, your customers about demand? And Brian, if you can give us get us started, what do you expect for demand moving forward? You know, th- there is a lot of talk, Michael, about the effects of our, our presidential election on healthcare. But you know, irrespective of what happens in government, there's two fundamentals that really affect, in my mind, uh, healthcare real estate and the demand for healthcare real estate. First is underlying demographics. Our country's getting older. The baby boomers for, for the next 20 years are going to be the largest. Uh, segment of our population. The older you get, the more internal medical services you get. So, more people are going to go have to see their doctor, which is going to create more demand for medical office. Second is there's a shift in our delivery system away from a hospital campus to uh, the community and specifically to to a retail uh, location. So there's it's cheaper to operate. It's easier and it's more accessible for patients to see their physicians outside a hospital campus. So more and more off-campus medical office locations um, have been constructed and will be constructed to accommodate that growth. So, you know, frankly, I think uh, Obamacare, we were all really nervous at first to see what happened and it kind of stabilized and it turned out to be, you know, um, I would think generally a good thing for medical office. Um, and if it gets repealed or scaled back, I think the trends will continue for us in healthcare real estate. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And 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 uh, Brian, with uh, you at Stage Equity Partners there, so you're talking to the the tenants, the healthcare providers, if you will. Let's let's uh, tell the listeners and viewers uh, briefly about your business there at Stage Equity. Sure. So our company, Stage Equity Partners, is exclusively a medical office. Uh, real estate investment company. Our only tenants are, are hospitals and physicians. Um, it's a space we know. It's a space that we concentrate on. We're based in Chicago, uh, but our footprint is really in the Midwest and the Southeast, and we uh, track the demographics and track where we think um, the fundamentals are strong. So we have a big concentration in Texas, uh, uh, Atlanta, Florida, um, Carolinas, and then within uh, the Midwest, where where we where we live. Okay, and Matt, tell us about Skanska and what you do there in the healthcare division. Uh, well, Skanska is one of the largest construction and, and development companies in the U.S., and we're also one of the top healthcare managers uh, in the country. And my role and, and what I do is really is, is I have a specialty in healthcare. It's a market segment that's very important. It's a large part of our business. And so I specialize and, uh, and help service our clients uh, in, in the healthcare industry. Um, we have projects going all over the country, whether it's a, a new hospital, a brand new ground up hospital, or most of them actually are additions and renovations and upgrades. 
um, and certainly work in uh, medical office spaces and those kinds of things. And you guys are doing business all over the country, all over the world? All over the country and all over the world, as a matter of fact. Right. So. Okay. And Paul Zeman, tell us about uh, your division there at uh, Bull Realty, the healthcare real estate services, what you guys do. Well, I run the healthcare real estate services division of the company, and which is uh, anything, anything healthcare, but I, pr- I focus primarily on medical office building investment sales, uh, both on campus and off, and occasionally some user sales. Uh, when a large group of physicians might be looking for a, a place to hang their hat for, for a long time. And um, we've got other folks on the team that specialize in, you know, tenant rep and landlord rep and, you know, just good commercial real estate brokerage services across the board. Okay, so you're just selling the medical office buildings mainly is what you're doing that each day. That is what I focus <laughs> on, yes sir. Okay, and uh, Brian, you mentioned uh, construction um, of healthcare facilities uh, is, is moving forward. And Matt, you, you guys are out there building them. What kind of demand are you seeing? What types of buildings are you seeing mainly constructed? Is it hospitals? Is it medical office buildings? What do you see? We're seeing a lot of, um, there's a lot of pent up demand, so we're seeing a lot of additions and renovations um, as the the as a hospital may have a specialty whether it's hard or whether it's children's I mean we're seeing demand in all of these areas we're also seeing a lot of uh, what uh, Brian had mentioned which is outlying getting away from the main campus and building an, an ambulatory care center which would be a hospital and facility would be full of their different specialties and it's easier to get out to the reach out to the population away from the main campus and treat the treat the population. And how busy are you guys compared to say two or three years ago? What's the trend? Healthcare has always been a strong market and I think we always know that. Um, We're really seeing a lot of activity in California and Texas and the Northeast. Uh, Florida and the Carolinas are are very, very strong. So we're seeing a lot of activity in all of those markets. Okay. And it seems like rising construction costs and labor costs are impacting all the sectors here that we cover on the commercial real estate show. I assume health care is no different. What what do you see for trends on the construction cost? Well, I think that uh, as we've come out of the recession from 2008, there there was really a drop in the labor. So labor is, is, um, you know, there's somewhat of a labor shortage. Um, commodities are increasing uh, steadily, um, but it's just uh, it's best to, when we get involved to make sure that we we stay on schedule and we're able to produce the product for the for the hospital on time is the best way to overcome that. And Brian, how's it impacting your business of owning these buildings and, and doing these build outs uh, related to construction costs? Well, I would also just chime in that to, to Matt's comment that. It's important to note that medical office buildings are inherently more costly than other, you know, new construction buildings. You know, you, you can't build a medical office building for the same price per square foot that you build a retail building or general office building just because of we have inherent a lot more plumbing, higher electrical. Um, there could be on the higher acuity side, we could have, you know, gases in the walls and um, so it just it costs a lot more to build these things, and then the build-out allowance for our tenant is could be twenty or thirty bucks a foot more than what we would provide to non-medical tenants, and then the tenants on top of that spend it could be double uh, right. to, to finish out their space. Right, and Matt, what do you see for some sample build-out costs for some of these medical uh, providers? I think that um, you know to build out in a in a hospital owned space or even an NMLB, it may start in the range of you know seventy five to eighty dollars, right. and depending on the on the practice and the docs and what they want, it could be 
easily twice that. Right. And, and the you, services that they're providing. And you see some expensive build outs in some of the buildings that you're selling, right? Which will some, Paul, which sometimes impacts the uh, rental rates. Sure does. When you start talking about a, a, a surgery center or an outpatient diagnostic imaging center or a cancer or an oncology center that might involve something like a linear accelerator, mm-hmm. you're talking some real dollars. I've seen uh, two and three hundred dollars a square foot in build out. How about if there's a flux capacitor? How does that impact that? Uh, that's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I think some of the investors are going to look at some of the rents per square foot on some of those types of facilities or those those areas of the facilities. Like that sounds a little high. We're going to take a short break. Stay with us. We'll get back. We're going to talk about more health care and health care real estate. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Check your flux capacitor. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, commercial real estate asset and occupancy solutions. Call 800-408-2855 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Today we're talking healthcare and healthcare real estate. My guests are Matt Steinmetz. He's VP of Healthcare with Skanska. I have Brian Howard on Skype with us. He's the founder and president of Stage Equity Partners. And we have Paul Zeman, president of Healthcare Real Estate Services with Bull Realty. Gentlemen, I read that the pharmaceutical companies agreed to pay $70 billion to support the Affordable Health Care Act in exchange for a legal description on the U.S. government in negotiating drug prices. You guys are talking to these health care providers and these docs all the time. Who are they blaming for rising health care costs? Is it these pharmaceutical companies? Is it the insurance companies? Yeah, Brian, what do you hear? Well, Michael, you know, our the amount of healthcare being spent in this country is approaching 20, 20% of our entire GDP. That's more money spent in healthcare than food. So, and it's going up and up every year. If you ask our government, a lot of that is, is, is the thrust of this Affordable Care Act to get, you know, away from the testing to results. So the government would say, you know, it's all these unnecessary tests and um, procedures that are aren't aligning with ultimate results and that are, you know, the, the admissions and readmissions into the hospital. So I think the hospital systems will tell you one of the ways that they can try to cut costs is get people outside of the emergency room and into more preventative care type um, relationships, you know, having more holistic care, maybe having, you know, more primary care um, it's also creating opportunities for some of our, you know, you know, the threats, so to speak, of the Walgreens and the CVSs and the Targets who are seeing opportunities um, to, to put, you know, clinics in their own space. You know, I think there's, there's, opportunity, there's opportunities there for everyone, um, but it, it is no, it's no secret that our, our health care costs have spiraled out of control. They've spiraled out of control and, and even artificially to some degree because uh, if you've ever been to the hospital and maybe had an MRI or a surgical procedure and you sit down and you read through your EOB from the insurance company in detail and see what the hospital charged versus what they collected, 
uh, kind of skews the numbers uh, significantly yeah. by about 400%. Wow. And, you know, and how much are the healthcare uh, insurance companies, you know, to blame? Uh, uh, three weeks ago, uh, the health, the insurance provider for my mother told her that the, they were no longer to support the or pay for the medicine she's taken and told her to change to this medicine. So she went to the doctor. The doctor changed the medicine. Three days later, she's in a hospital, came close to, to being fatal because they changed her medicine, and it was dictated by the insurance companies. I mean, how much are you guys hearing from the docs and the providers that the insurance companies are driving the bus? I, I see that firsthand, uh, and the insurance companies have physicians on, on their staff that look at things and determine, yes, this person needs this, or no, this person doesn't need this, and they, they are driving the bus to a large degree. Yeah, I think we all thought that the doctors would be telling us uh, what medicine to take, right, Brian, not the insurance companies? I think what the physicians are saying is, you know, their bottom line is being affected because now they have to track all of you know the admissions and readmissions because their reimbursement is is compressed by the level of repeat admissions to hospitals so to the extent that you know it's results based um you know if they're if they're if their compensation is based if the reimbursement is based on how they're treating their um their patients they're, they have to spend either by hiring people or outsourcing it. I mean, their bottom, their expenses are growing because they have to track all this stuff that's mandated by the government. So, you know, it's a, re it's, a, it's a very real cost for physicians today because in theory, their revenue could be going down and their expenses could be going up. So, which then puts pressure on us as landlords to make sure that the rent is sustainable yeah. and that their facility is, 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 uh, is most efficiently built as, and constructed as possible. Take an orthopedic practice, for example, that's now doing physical therapy and imaging and bracing and uh, work comp pharma and anything and everything they can to try to drive more revenue because they are getting squeezed on the reimbursement side of, of the clinic. Right. And I guess some of these uh, providers are a little worried, right, about, about their profitability. And uh, well, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk a little bit about the profitability of these healthcare providers and how that may impact uh, the commercial real estate market related to healthcare and how it could impact cap rates and demand moving forward. So stay with us. We'll have more right after this short message. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. First Service Solutions, your CMBS borrower advocate. For requests, assumptions, consulting, and restructuring, call First Service Solutions at 817-756-7227. Excelligent, the resource professionals like CCIMs, CBRE, JLL, Colliers, and Bull Realty use for market intelligence. Commercial Search is the site to market and find available properties to buy, sell, or lease all over the country. Visit CommercialSearch.com.
Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Today we're talking healthcare real estate with Matt Steinmetz, Brian Howard, and Paul Zeman. And uh, gentlemen, uh, I'd like to see if you could provide some tips for healthcare providers related to building out their space or, or building a new building, Matt. The, uh, the biggest single uh, bit of advice I would give is that uh, the, the client would need to hire their designer and their construction partners as early as possible in the process and rely on them to give them the greatest impact on their uh, in relationship to the scope and their budget. And you need to rely on your professionals and they need to be transparent and honest as to what's the actual cost of of the work that they're being requested. Yeah, that's a good tip. And I, I give a tip as a as a tenant rep that, that we do is to really start very early. <laughs> you know, don't don't wait too late because that can certainly work against you uh, as a tenant. And uh, Brian, what tip would you give a healthcare provider related to, to their space and build out needs? I, I would agree with Matt. I mean, oftentimes, you know, physicians are running in 12 different directions and, you know, we'll get to the 11th hour and then someone, brother-in-law who's an accountant or a lawyer <laughs> pops in and you know uh, adjusts something but I, I would I would have a specific healthcare architect and a construction firm that does a lot of healthcare that can anticipate a lot of problems because you know we, we, we've had buildings built where we've had you know psychologists in, in some of the space and they didn't line the walls properly and they didn't build you know the walls all the way to the deck and the in the ceiling and you could hear everything right. between every wall so you know it costs a lot of money to have it rebuilt so i, I just think you, like you said it's all on the front end of things right I, I agree your team should be healthcare provide right i mean they should be based in healthcare. your tenant rep your attorney your architect your builder should all be experienced in healthcare because it's really a specialized market well gentlemen what are some of the trends impacting healthcare providers today in their real estate needs are they packing into to more space uh, what are some of the trends you see brian you know it's interesting I, the, the trend right now for hospital systems is 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 all in one roof it's a, it's a multi-specialty building where it's anchored by you know, some patient generator, and then like a primary care group or a women's health group, and then they surround it with all the different specialists and subspecialists. So, you know, here in Chicago, we have we have the hospital systems taking twice to three times as large a space as they used to take, but they're thoughtfully planning it out and you know preparing for the future. Um, so we're seeing that, and we're also seeing some rotating kind of flex space where they have. Um, again, they'll take more space than what they need, and then they'll have one common waiting room, and then they'll have these little pods and common nursing stations where they'll sort of rotate on a day or weekly basis different physicians in and out of there. Um, so that, that's been interesting to, to see how it's, how it's evolved. Yeah, that is is interesting. We've got a client that's done the same thing, and you know they're using their space uh, one day a week, and other physicians are using it other days of the week. What are some of the trends you guys see related to space needs? Well, what we're seeing is um, is the uh, the hospitals that have 
got some age on them that are in metro areas. I mean, the communities have built around them, and so they're they're pretty much landlocked, and so they're they're having to shoehorn buildings into their existing campus. A lot of re renovations, additions, and and those types of things. Um, other other hospitals that are maybe newer that have gone out into the outlying areas, and they they've got a a big piece of land that they're growing into. Maybe they've got they've planned for medical office space and other things to to surround them and planning for many many years in the future. Yeah, right. And I'm just seeing some of the larger uh, physician practices, the pr the private groups especially that that might have some real solid anchor locations in town uh, are are getting some satellite offices where maybe they're even only out there you know two three days a week to kind of test the market, but almost inevitably they end up being there full time. Yeah. And one of the other aspects I think that impact the investment market and the and the users in the space is certificates of needs, CONs, and some of the states are CON states. And Paul, how do you see that impact the investment side of the business when when you're selling a building where a CON CON is involved? <laughs> well, you know, in, in states like Georgia and North Carolina that have pretty tough CON laws. Uh, a CON can be the landlord's best friend uh, because even when the lease is coming up on uh, on renewal or, or expiration, uh, you can't just move that CON across the street or to the building next door. It would require a lengthy legal process that's going to be appealed. Um, it's it's not worth the hassle. It's going to be appealed by the competitors. By the competitors that do what you do. <laughs> right. So. Uh, so, you know, some people argue that a CON re, uh, restricts free trade, and to some degree it does, but it is a landlord's best friend. Brian, what do you see related to CONs in your business? It's, you know, it's state by state. Here in Illinois, it's a certificate of need state. So, in some ways, we look at it as, as, a, as a good thing. It's an, it's an attribute to the, to the real estate. Uh, it anchors the facility, whether it's dialysis or surgery. Uh, whereas in Texas, there are no certificate of needs. So um, I think it cuts both ways. Uh, I think the physicians, once they have it, they're, they hold on to these things. They, they don't go anywhere. Um, but at the same time, it, 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 they're very difficult to obtain. A lot of um, money and time and effort goes into getting these things, which slows down their delivery model. So for, for us as a landlord, we, we like it. We, we would rather uh, be in certificate of need states. Yeah, well, that's interesting. And I think it, it makes the tenants stay in the, in the space longer. And I think that's one of the attractions of the medical office buildings in the space is the tenants are more stable. You know, their customers used to go into that building and that location uh, and they want to stay and these leases are tend to be longer. And I think we're going to talk about some other differences between medical office space and regular office space. We'll have some more tips for you. So stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Check out Valuate, a real estate analysis program that can be easily shared with colleagues online to do what-if analysis. Visit GetValuate.com. That's GetValuate.com. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. Today we're talking medical properties, healthcare, real estate. We have Paul, Brian, and Matt. You have to know them by their first name only at this point, right? And uh, I'd like to ask you guys about some of the benefits and detriments 
related to medical office space as compared to traditional office space? Brian, you guys are operating these facilities. Uh, what are some of the differences? I think the biggest difference is the commitment by your tenants. I mean, it's a little bit different business than, than an accountant or a retailer. I mean, it, these are life-critical um, uses. And once your tenants are in there and the, the building works for them and their patients know where they are, they're generally long-term for their space. So it's a commitment by everyone on the front end, but if it works, it, it really works. And for us, um, th those predictable, um, uh, the length of the term is, is a benefit for our business. But also you have on the other side, as far as managing those facilities, you know, you have situations where uh, life and death can happen based on the building operating properly, right? Absolutely. And I think this is a theme that you'll hear from, from a lot of people in our space. Experience with medical buildings is 100% vital to being a true partner on the deal. So we manage 100% all of our own facilities across the, the country. The same people that buy them are the same people that operate them. So, you know, if, if, if there's a bad snow and snow's not getting removed and people on crutches or wheelchairs can't access the space, it's a major problem. So right. the, you hit it up, management in, in the operation, operational aspect of medical office buildings is is 100% crucial to, to maintaining happy and healthy tenants and good, patients. Yeah, good point. And Matt, what about the, in the construction, what's, what's the big difference between medical and traditional office? As Brian was saying, in, in the healthcare industry, whether you're in a medical office space or in a hospital, it can often be you know, life and death, and there's a risk associated with the build-outs, and we create dust and those kinds of things. So getting professionals involved that understand that there's people above, below, beside, uh, that are can be severely affected by what we do every day uh, and minimizing that risk that's uh, that's one of the most important things right and I can imagine the HVAC controls for example would have to be much more sophisticated so like if somebody in my office here is cold and one guy's hot hey put on a sweater uh, but in a healthcare facility, you got people that maybe getting down to their their little gowns and things like that. So the the systems have to be much more sophisticated, don't they? They really are. Uh, in, a, in, a, in a hospital, you're going to have a re, uh, supply and return duck, whereas in an office space, you're not going to you're going to have a plenum return. Yeah. You can't do that in a hospital because of the dust that may be carried back and would infect yeah. the patients. And I think so that's interesting different. when you see some of these healthcare providers that go into non off non medical office buildings and they think that it's that's okay, and then they end up having issues. Issues, or, or sometimes they're going into retail space and they think that that can work and they find it's much more difficult. Uh, Paul, what about uh, on the investment side, what are the, some, some of the differences between the two? You know, the, it's just much costlier to, to re-tenant a space in, in healthcare because a new group might come in and just want to gut it and start all over again and, it, and it's very costly. And, and as a result of that, I think that's why cap rates for uh, medical office buildings typically trade a little higher than, than like general office, because general office, you might find somebody take the space like it is or minimal changes. Yeah, and what are the, some of the typical differences on cap rates between a traditional office and a similar medical office building? You know, I'm, I'm typically across the board seeing about a 50 to 60 basis point difference, a little bit lower for, for general office. All right, so you're getting a higher return on a medical building because of the the uniqueness of it. Yes. <laughs> the the challenges and the benefits. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate uh, you being on the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for Thank you. Much.
All right. Well, I appreciate you joining us out there on YouTube or on the show website or on some of the stations around the country. And uh, stay tuned next week. We're going to talk about senior housing. It's another area kind of related to, to medical that's really been booming and doing well. We're going to talk about the development side there, the investment side, the cap rates. Uh, so please join us. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty Commercial Advisors, a great place to do business. Visit bullrealty.com, CCIM Institute. Enhance your career and deepen your knowledge with Commercial Real Estate's global standard for professional achievement. Visit CCIM.com. Valuate. Easily share what-if analysis online with colleagues. Visit GetValuate.com. Excelligent, the resource professionals use for commercial real estate information. Visit Excelligent.com. That's X-C-E-L-I-G-E-N-T. Commercial Search the source to market and source available properties for sale or lease. Visit commercialsearch.com. First Service Solutions, the CMBS borrower advocate. Visit 1stsss.com. For more information on these great companies or for additional videos, podcasts, or articles, visit CREshow.com.